0: Do you know know why we have Labor Day? So it can rain all weekend, right? Yeah. And so we can actually say goodbye to summer. Actually, we have Labor Day because of the Industrial Revolution. Did you know that? Because of the Industrial Revolution, starting in England in the mid-1700s, the world began to change. Mass production was introduced. New technologies created factories and cotton mills and industrial coal mining. Poor agricultural people moved into the cities in droves looking for a better life, looking for jobs. And of course they found those jobs, but they didn't really find the better life they were looking for. Children and adults were employed uh, at low pay with long hours in dangerous conditions. The dream of a better life turned out to be a mirage. Mirage. Cotton mills produced textiles faster and cheaper and more abundantly than ever before, and this led to a demand for more cotton. The southern United States stepped up to meet the need, using slave labor. And in the northern United States, with all the factories and the mills and now railroads, corpora- uh, uh, corporation owners got rich while the laborers were overworked and still continued to live in poverty so what the workers do they they got together and began to organize uh, demanding more pay better hours safer conditions this was the beginning of the labor movement oregon held the first labor day in 1887 Dozens of states followed suit, and by 1897, seven years late, 1894, seven years later, Labor Day was declared a national holiday. But let me tell you, the value of work, the value of workers, comes not from a holiday. It begins in the Bible. In the beginning, God was a worker who rested on the seventh day. The first human was not created to go lie on a beach somewhere and sip margaritas. The first human was created to work in the garden. The Bible teaches us that work is inherently good. We were made for it. We all do all kinds of work. Some of you own a business. Some of you uh, take on the full-time work of raising a family. Some of you have jobs and you work for an employer. And some of you do most of your work now as a volunteer. And if you're a student, then your full-time work is school, right? I told my district superintendent that I have no timeline for retirement. I mean, why should I? I'm healthy. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm serving in a great church. I might as well just keep doing it. Yeah. And you, you, might, you might look at me and say, well, look at Pastor Steve. He's doing God's work. And I say, so do you. You know, the average person spends 90,000 hours of adult life working. Realize that? 90,000 hours. Uh, And what if you had the mindset through all those 90,000 hours that you are doing the Lord's work? And, of course, once you retire, you're still doing the Lord's work. You know, I haven't always been a pastor. Uh, My first job off of the farm, I was working at a restaurant as a dishwasher in high school. One year in college I worked uh, at a retail store selling clothing. Uh, Three summers in college I worked at a window factory. Uh, The year Trish and I got married I worked at a Kentucky horse farm mowing grass and painting fence. And then ten years after I was a pastor I went back to school and and during that time to support us I I drove a delivery truck and I delivered four to eight tons of bagged ice a day. I was, I was hauling ice. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and when someone says they hate their job, you know, I usually find it is not so much the work that they hate as it is the way they are treated in their jobs, right? By their boss, their coworkers, or their customers. Somewhere along the line, they're being treated badly. And that's what they hate. You know, now sometimes it is the work. Maybe they hate the monotony or the drudgery or the pain or the pressure or the stress. But what if you were in a job where you were not allowed to quit? What if you were in a job where you had no rights? What if you were in a job where you were beaten if you didn't do as you were told? I mean, aren't those things the definition of slavery? Let's open our Bibles to Colossians 3, starting with verse 22. Pew Bibles on page 1184. Uh, this is a letter uh, by uh, from the, a letter from the Apostle Paul uh, to a group of Jesus followers he has not yet met, and he's given them instruction on basic Christian living. And right, I realize some of you here today uh, maybe say, "Well, I don't really call myself a Christ follower." I say that's okay. We're glad you're here, and the fact that you are here tells me there's a little curiosity inside you, and I, I am honored to be trusted with your curiosity. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, then uh, we'd like to give you one, the easiest way to, to solve that is just take the few Bible home, you can have it, we'll stick another one in later. Now at this point in Paul's letter, he's addressing slaves who are Christians. How do you follow Jesus when you're a slave? How is that different? Now, what Paul's not doing here is giving his position on the ethics of slavery. Now, he's going to hint at it in another letter where he encourages his friend Philemon to free his slave. But in this letter to the Colossians, Paul, he's not trying to dismantle slavery in one letter. Uh, though he does pound some big cracks in its foundation. We also have to remember, in the Bible, what is the biggest event of the Old Testament? The biggest thing in the Old Testament is the exodus. God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. God is on a mission, and he's still on a mission, to set people free. You know, I think God's still doing that mission and God wants us to work on that mission. Human human trafficking enslaves people. Human trafficking enslaves people by threatening them with violence or forcing them into debt they can never repay. Now, for some of the people that Paul's writing to, being a slave is it's just how they survive. This is how they make a living. And, and in, in the Roman Empire, you were not necessarily a slave forever. You could you could earn your way out and buy your freedom, uh, and that was not an uncommon thing. But for now, Paul's focusing on on how he wants them to honor God with their work. So let's look at Colossians three, verse twenty-two. He says, "Slaves." Obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Again, is Paul condoning slavery? No. But he knows he just can't tell these slaves to just run away and be free because they'll be hunted down, and if they have cruel masters, they'll be severely punished. So I think Paul's what he's telling them is, here's what you need to do for now. Okay? So Paul would say to the slave, if your master says, "Today I need you to pull weeds in the garden, then just go out and pull weeds in the garden and, and work just as hard when the master is not looking as when he is looking. Why? Because in your heart, you are working for the Lord. And maybe when your earthly master notices how trustworthy you are now, he'll become curious about this Jesus you follow. Let's go to verse 23. It says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. This, let me tell you, this is revolutionary stuff right here. This is the kind of verse that you could post on your workstation or put in your notebook at school or put it in, a, in, in your car before you uh, head to your, to your shift. Uh, whatever it is, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And when you have that mentality, let me tell you, you are nobody's slave, right? You, you are working for the one who matters. You are no man's slave. Um, I, I don't know what your job is like, but I do know this. All your work is meaningful when you do it for the Lord. Right? All your work is meaningful when you do it for the Lord. I'm not saying everything is fun. I'm not saying it's not hard or stressful, but it can be meaningful. You know, Jesus spent most of his adult life not as a preacher and healer, right? Did you know that? He was a carpenter. He learned it from Joseph. And uh, since most of the buildings in the ancient Middle East were built from stone, uh, I think Jesus was probably more of a stonemason than a woodworker. And he knew what it was like to have his knuckles bleeding and to have his back ache from too much lifting. You know, I know some days it, it may not seem like your work matters much in the scheme of things, but... Let me tell you, when you do it with all your heart, when you're working for the Lord, it changes the whole equation. All your work is meaningful when you do it for the Lord. And a big part of that, of course, is, the, is our interactions with people. Some of it's the actual stuff we get done, but a lot of it is in how we connect and relate to people along the way. You know, back when I was painting fence at the horse farm, You know, I wanted to do a good job painting that fence. Yeah, it looks good when I get done. The boss will look at it. It's a good reflection on me. In some ways, it might even be a a good reflection on the Lord. Uh, But sometimes when I'm out there painting a fence, I'm working along beside a college student, and we have a lot of time to talk while we're painting fence. You never know what God can do with a good conversation and a good relationship. You see, your work is about way more than a paycheck, way more than profit. Verse 24 finishes the sentence that started in verse 23. We work uh, with all our heart as working for the Lord. Why? Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Jesus already promises us eternal salvation when we put our faith in him. And he says that when we stay faithful... In our lives, when we stay faithful in how we live our lives, uh, we can expect rewards in heaven. And I think that the reward that we receive is is kind of the thing I get is from Jesus's parable when he says, "Well done, good and faithful servant." That's a reward, isn't it? Wouldn't that be great to hear? And it doesn't mean that you never mess up, because all of Jesus' disciples mess up. But when you work honestly and industriously with Jesus as your boss, you will be rewarded. Your faithfulness will be recognized. Now, obviously, there are some kinds of work that are not the Lord's work. Right? Right? Uh, you know, one of the big phone scams right now is uh, somebody calling and pretending to be uh, your grandchild, and they're, they're in trouble and they need money. Anybody gotten that call? Yeah, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have got, or several people who have gotten this, uh, and I think who makes these kind of phone calls? I mean, I guess I don't know them. Maybe I do, but I don't recognize they do it. But obviously, if your work is destructive or deceitful or demeaning, well, then it's. Not the Lord's work. And that's when verse 25 comes into play. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there is no favoritism. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's why bosses have to remember who they work for. The first verse of chapter 4 says, Masters, you could substitute the word bosses, Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you have a master in heaven. We all serve the same master, and all your work is meaningful when you do it for the Lord. Now, what does that look like? What does that look like day to day? What does that look like when you get up in the morning? And, you know, you face the challenges and the stresses and the headaches of, of your work. Um, I'd like to invite Jen Spark to come up and, and share with us a little bit. And I know her story is unique and, um, and just like your story is, but I, but I believe that her experience is going to connect with you, uh, whether you're a student or retired or anything in between. And... Um, so, uh, Jen, I remember, and this was over a year ago. Uh, you and I talked for a while, and you were trying to decide about a big change in your life. Can you, and uh, can you tell us about what happened? And yeah,
1: sure. I'm on this time, right? Yeah, you, okay. you're good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, about a year ago, or a little more than that now, I guess. Um, I had an opportunity to. Um, leave a job I had loved and had been at for over 17 years and had no intention really of, of ever leaving there but I got an opportunity to um, leave a small organization to go work for a much larger organization um, in a more administrative role so um, that's what I did.
0: And you made the leap. I made the leap. Yeah. And uh, so you know I think that even even good change can be stressful. Um, and, you know, you find all the new things that you're dealing with and the confusion that you face. What kind of stresses did you find coming into this yeah. new position?
1: Well, I think it was a variety of different things. Um, one was I was, you know, 20 years older than I was the last time I had gotten a job. So it was just a, a big change and mm-hmm. things took longer for me to learn. Um, another big piece was going from a really small organization where there was about 250 people. To over 8,000 employees, Um, so I didn't know anybody. You know, I had been at the other place for so long that was kind of just in my DNA. I could just show up every day. I was kind of on autopilot and. Uh, I was a person people came to when they had a question and it was nice to be able to help them and make them feel better in what they were doing, and all of a sudden, that was kind of turned upside down. And Before, you were kind of like the mom of the organization, yes, that's right? Yes, <laughs> sure. that's for sure. And now I'm in this place where I don't know anybody and um, I don't know necessarily how to do, so uh, it was pretty vulnerable, I think, yeah. you know, where it just felt like, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, it was lonely because I had a lot Mm -hmm. of friends where I had been for being there so long, so I felt, you know, kind of isolated that way. Um, And so it caused me to kind of wonder sometimes, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I knew I was, but it just didn't feel like I was necessarily connected. I was in a job before where I was working with individuals who were really, um, you know, disadvantaged, had a lot of uh, difficulties that they faced every day. And so you could kind of see in a tangible way that you were doing something that felt like it was um, serving God, and yeah. i wasn 't necessarily feeling like that all the time in what i did
0: so but you know because you you 're such a helping person, and you kind of were real hands on in that helping, and now you 're kind of removed from that I, I would imagine mm-hmm. a more like you say a more administrative role. well, I also know you 've shared with me that about six months ago um, you know, God started to to change the way you you think about all this. Can you tell us what happened?
1: Yeah, so we had done, some of you maybe remember the video they had here about work as worship, and we actually had a simulcast day of kind of trainings of national speakers that were here that we got to listen to. But just even watching that initial tease video, uh, and it just kind of really resonated with me because they were talking about, you know, what if um, your mission field is the marketplace and where you're called to be isn't in a church or isn't necessarily doing it um, in a traditional kind of mission field but um, in a place where you know you leave church on Sunday but your work continues on when you get outside of the walls of the church and mm-hmm. so that really resonated for me of what does that look like for me and how can I be um, doing what I do every day in my work but it's also a way where I'm honoring God in what I do.
0: Yeah. Um, so, that was what, back in February or something yeah, like think, that, mm-hmm. and so since then, um, I know you've kind of really grabbed onto that, that whole concept, so, so how did that begin to change things where you work and how you approach
1: that? Yeah, I think for me it's being intentional about everything I do every day and how is that pleasing to God. Um, mm-hmm. Making sure that I do things from a position of integrity and ethical stance and not that I didn't before, but just seeing it from a different perspective, I think. So, you know, we all have tasks in our jobs. We get hired to do a, a job yeah. description and, and I have a boss who is wonderful and I love her. Um, but, you know, I also know now I have a bigger boss. And mm-hmm. so what I do during the day is important, but I also have a bigger boss that I work for. and. So I strive to find ways that I can um, maybe share that a little bit or just in in the way I approach things, Mm -hmm. um, make sure people would always know that I was a Christ follower in what I do. Okay. now, I also,
0: you you shared with me about you wanted to have people notice. Have people said anything to you about, has the way you've kind of approached your work created some interest or conversation?
1: Well, I I think unintentionally. I don't know that I set out to say, oh, I want people to know that I'm a Christ follower, but hopefully in what I do. And so, like one example, where I work is a very busy, kind of intense place. There's, you know, it's a healthcare uh, organization, so there's lots of stuff that's serious that happens every day, but I'm kind of a low drama person anyway, and a lot of times people will say, well, you're so calm. How do you? How are you so calm? And so, you know, I know why. And so those are the kinds of things that give you an opportunity to have a little bit of a conversation or even just small things like last fall, I went to the um, silent retreat oh, yeah. that we sponsored here. And so people knew. I was saying, oh, I'm off next Friday because I'm going to the silent retreat. Oh, silent retreat, what's that? So sure. you just have these really organic kinds of ways that you, um, if you take advantage of them, you can kind of... Um, spread kind of that message a little bit to people. Yeah, they begin to see
0: that you're supported by resources that hold you up through the stressful times and all that. So, uh, one of the things, Jen, when we talked earlier that I really wanted to make sure all of you got to hear um, was about the little things that you have learned to work into your day and in your week to help you kind of keep this approach going.
1: Yeah. Um, and they're nothing magical, they're just small little things that work for me. I love music, so I'm kind of deliberate about what songs I listen to in the car on the way to work that just sort of gets my head in the right space. i um, walking in, I never know exactly what any given day is going to be like. So being able to um, just get myself aligned right that way. Um, I, one of the things at the um, Work is Worship uh, Training Day they were talking about was just giving yourself five minutes in between tasks at work so you mm. um, can kind of get yourself in, a, in the right mindset for the next thing you're going to do um, and always, you know, whether that's saying a quick prayer or I have a little devotion book in my desk. that They're just short little things like that, but um, just having ways to um, make sure that I'm taking care of myself so that I'm in a good place all day yeah. long to, to um, be that servant.
0: And uh, you, you say that you've got, did you talk about the devotion book? Yeah,
1: there's, yeah. One, um, there's a short one. I can't remember what it's called, but it's one by Lee Strobel. And it's just really small, little ones that I can just pull out in the morning when I get in my office and read yeah. it quick. And yeah, sometimes I accidentally leave it on my desk and, you know, that's okay right. too.
0: And you know also sometimes you get so booked with things you have the stress of not being able to get your work done.
1: Yeah, so one of the other things that I, they're really big on outlook uh, for appointments and everything like that at my job. So um, sometimes I'll make appointments with myself um, and it's to give myself a chance to get my work done that I need to, but also again to just um, control my day a little bit and the flow and how that goes because I know when I do that then I'm able to be my best Right. Um, and do the best work that God wants me to do. Yeah,
0: okay. Well, Jen, thank you for sharing about this, and I'm yeah. glad to hear how, how this new job's turning out for you. Yeah, absolutely, you. yeah. Okay, uh, I want to end with this. Whether you make sales or paint nails, wash cars, or watch the stars, whether you're a dog walker or radio talker, a grocery sacker, or a library stacker, whether you're a mental health clinician, a county politician, or a cover band musician, all your work is meaningful when you do it for the Lord. Whether you're a sports writer or pilot light lighter, a nurse's aide or hotel maid, whether you're a stay-at-home mother or one who cleans the gutter, a street sweeper or a bookkeeper, whether you're an oncologist or archaeologist or marine biologist, all your work is meaningful when you do it for the Lord. Whether you're a painter of fence, or a fixer of dents, a drywaller or survey caller, whether you're a middle school teacher or a retired preacher, a driving instructor, or railroad conductor, whether you're a pizza maker, or garbage taker, or plugged drain snaker. All your work is meaningful when you do it for the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, it's easy for us to segment our lives and to just see praying and church and Bible as, as the sacred stuff and to not see the work week as part of that. So, Lord, help us to, to infuse them together. That, that we can serve you, we can worship you as we serve you throughout our work week, whether we're volunteering or going to school or uh, getting our tasks done or punching the clock. Lord, we want, to, we want to see that there's something bigger going on and that we are serving you. We are, we are working for you. Lord, we thank you for coming to our rescue for saving us when we didn't deserve it, for giving us a new hope and a new life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.